<laughs> What's up, everyone? Wow, Woo! it's been a long time. <laughs> we are officially welcoming you to season four. Back and better than ever. Yes. Please continue to stick around. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of the podcast game. Help. <laughs> everyone, join us after the jingle. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you for joining us for Sundays at 7. We're keeping all that in. <laughs> okay, clearly I'm all the podcast game. No, you're not. Yeah, clearly <laughs> I am. <laughs> Listen guys, we are back and better than ever though. And we have a brand new season. Go ahead and explain it to him, Kate We're going to do something a little crazy. crazy. But also not crazy. Not crazy. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, we hear a lot, we teach a small group, as we said, a hundred million times, but we hear a lot that reading the Bible can be pretty daunting. And we want to break that stereotype, even for ourselves, yeah. about reading the Bible being a daunting task. And we're going to go through each book of the Bible, sometimes maybe two in one episode, and just do like a rundown, overview, Cliff Notes version of each book of the Bible. And then hopefully prompting you all to continue to read it for yourself. Yeah. And I think, too, another reason why we wanted to do this was we clearly have a lot of issues in our world right now. And there are a lot of polarized sides where people are fighting about all of these issues. And I think that in order to find answers to these issues, we search in the Bible. What does the Bible say about this? Mm-hmm. And so we thought instead of, we were we had a season planned, we were going to do something, which we'll do a little bit later on, but we thought maybe we would just simplify and just overview the Bible. What does the Bible say? What are important themes in each chapter, important characters, and lessons that we can learn? And like she said, you know, we're not going to, we're starting in Genesis tonight, and we're not going to read chapter 1 through chapter 50. There's just not enough time in the world. We're just going to hit a couple main points prompting you to go into Genesis to read everything for yourself because we think that's super important. Yeah, because there are tons of stories in the Bible that we just don't know because we don't read it. And I've actually been reading through the Bible, like random chapters that I've never, or random books I've never read before. And there's so many like really interesting things that you just have no clue until you read the book, especially Mm -hmm. in Genesis. I mean, we're going to cover topic three, like three topics of what, 20 today, what Mm -hmm. happened. So Mm -hmm. here we go. We're just going to have to jump right into it. Dive in. Let's dive in people. Um, so I'll, we're gonna we're gonna split this into two different sections. It's gonna be section number one, which is chapters one through eleven. Take a little pause. Section number two, which is chapters twelve through fifty. So we just figured that make it a little bit easier because that's kind of how the book is divided. Chapter one: the earth is dark. Everything is dark. There's darkness. <laughs> Complete darkness. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, God creates something out of nothing. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, <laughs> in seven days, light is created. Animals are created. Everything is Water. created. Water. Birds. Birds. Air. Oxygen. Mm-hmm. And on the seventh day, God rests. We've all heard the creation story, I'm sure. He goes into creating man out of dust because he wants a helper for the land, a worker for the land. And then he goes to create woman out of man's rib because he thinks that the man needs a helper for him. And... He puts them in the Garden of Eden, which is this good place that he has created for them. A place where they can procreate, a place where they can flourish, and a place where they can be in 
harmony with God. God is walking and dwelling among them in the garden. And he tells them, you can eat of anything in this garden, but... Oh, is that my turn? <laughs> but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which this is where, you know, up until now, God defined good, but now he's giving human choice, which mm -hmm. is extremely obviously important. Um, so this is in chapter three. The snake is introduced, um, and he, the serpent, is in rebellion against God. And he tells a different story than what they've heard from God. And so he says, do you want to become like God? Which... I think is ironic, which we were listening to some stuff before this, which I never really thought about this, but you know, he's saying he's tempting Adam and Eve to become like God, which they already are like God. They're, we were They're created, in, his created image. in the image of God. Yeah. Which is so deceiving. So that's in chapter three, which obviously is when sin enters the world, Eve eats of the tree and then Adam does the same. And this starts the ripple effect of rebellion. Okay, so then from here, Adam and Eve, they have kids, Cain and Abel. And Cain becomes very jealous of Abel because God loves Abel. And he loves Cain too, but he favors Abel. And so Cain kills Abel, and then Cain is actually cast out from the Garden of Eden. And that's where sin continues to spiral and spiral out of control down into the world. And after that, there are many, I mean, it's how many descendants later until we find out a new character. Mm -hmm. God sees one righteous man in the midst of all this sin-filled culture, and it is Noah, the one we know and love, Noah. The one we know and love. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> wow, that was really good, not gonna lie. So he asks Noah to build an ark and because it's going to rain. Hang on, pause. Have you ever been to the ark? The, no. the one in Kentucky? Wait, no, I don't think I have, no. It's like uh, Tommy and I went for his birthday one year, and it's actually, apparently, it is created according to biblical measurements. Mm -hmm. And so it is g this ginormous boat I out I need to go it's to give so me perspective. Good. Yeah, and, and you learn so much, and I got a caramel apple, so. Oh, oh, okay. Continue, sorry. Okay, nice. So he says, it's, hey, Noah, it's going to rain. And he's like, what's rain? Because, you know, they've never seen rain yeah. before. Yeah. And so, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, and so Noah obviously looked crazy. He's building this ark for rain coming from the sky that no one has ever seen or heard of before. But um, God saves his, the lineage of Noah um, and his family. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights, mm -hmm. and then the waters recede. Yep, and then, of course, he comes out with the boat. It's <laughs> safe, and there's a rainbow, a promise to never flood the earth again. Yep. And so from there, you know, God in the very beginning commissioned this good place, the Garden of Eden, for Adam and Eve to flourish. And sin entered into that, and he decided to flood the whole world and to save Noah and his family. And after that, he commissioned another good world again with them in it. Then mm -hmm. we get to the part of the Bible where... All of these people want to be close to God, and so they decide they're going to try to build this tower because they want to be, they want to reach God. That's what their mission is. It's called the Tower of Babel. Hopefully, mm -hmm. I'm saying this right. Also, take a break really quick right here to tell you that I am not a Bible scholar. We're not Bible scholars. I'm literally just reading the Bible and trying to summarize it for you. Am I going to miss things? Yes. Am I going to say things wrong? Probably. Probably. So hopefully you're listening and then you can call me and say, hey, I actually said that wrong. Then I'll learn something new. Mm -hmm. And also, hopefully it prompts you to go read it for yourself and be like, she was, or they, not just she, me too. Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah, you know. <laughs> they were wrong when they said this or, you know. Okay, so back to the Tower of Babel. So oh, yeah. people were trying to build up to God and God gets mad and he decides to scatter them. 
and they all speak different languages and he scatters them among the nations because they go against God's design and because of God's design being manipulated and God decides to separate them Mm -hmm. so that they're no longer together. So basically, to summarize the first 11 Mm -hmm. chapters is God creates a good world and commissions humans to rule it, but they choose rebellion again and again and again and again and again and again. Which is sad, but also cool because it ushers in a plan for redemption and a redemptive plan that plays out for the rest of the Bible. Yeah. From the beginning, we are promised that a Messiah will rescue humankind from our sin. And Katyn had an awesome question, which we're getting ready to go into. She asked this. Katyn is uh, the question queen. You think so? Yeah. We're just sitting around talking. I thought I was a quote queen. Uh, You're both. Whoa. I need a double crown. (laughs) (laughs) but we're just sitting around all of a sudden she just asks these out of nowhere questions and it really makes you think so if god is good why would he create humans with the capacity to be evil Hmm. i feel like that's if we were to ask a question from all the stories that we just briefly told which there's they're much more detailed to them than what we said obviously but i feel like that's a common question that comes from like the story of creation mm-hmm. and what follows it. If God is good, why would he create humans who can do evil? I think that's like one of the number one questions too. Mm-hmm. That And it all kind of boils down to why, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. I feel like that, that this question kind of comes from that question because humans are evil and we have, you know, sin inside of us. Sin has entered into the world. Therefore, mm-hmm. I mean, sin kind of takes over. Mm-hmm. We all have sinful nature inside of us. And so that, you know, for not forces us, but enables us to do evil because we have this sinful nature in us. So obviously when the serpent tempts Eve at the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? It's, we're given a choice and that's where choice comes in. It's love cannot be forced and love is not love if it is not chosen. I think an interest, another interesting answer to that question would be, you can't know what good is unless you know bad. Like, good would not be good unless you know bad. And also, I really love the idea that evil is, evil is not a thing. You know, it's, it's the absence of good. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this. It's kind of like a shadow. Like, a shadow is not darkness. It's the absence of light. Mm-hmm. So evil comes from the abuse of free will. It's, it's not a thing in, in and of itself. It's... The absence of good. Yeah. Also feel like there kind of needs to be evil because seeing evil in the world motivates us to do good in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you said that. Like without evil, we don't know what's good. Mm-hmm. And I also love how you said that love is not forced. God didn't create a bunch of robots just to worship him. Anyways, from there, here we go. Here we go. At the end of chapter 11, we are introduced to a family and this genealogy, there's a lot of genealogies in the Bible, which sometimes, whoops, I skim over them a little bit because some of the names are a little bit cray-cray. But there's a genealogy, and eventually we get to a man called Abram, which you know later as Abraham. And one of the first things that God calls Abram to do is to leave his nation of um, Haran, and he calls him to travel to the land of Canaan. And he says... Leave your native country and go, and I will make you into a great nation. And so Abram packed up his family. He packed up Sarah, his wife, and his nephew Lot, and all of his belongings, and 
he left and he went to the land of Canaan to do what God has called him to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like the question, how will God restore the blessing to the world? Mm-hmm. Like he, he's promises to do that through Abraham and his lineage. Yes, definitely. And so they have a small problem because God promises, promises to make Abram and Sarah into a great nation, but Sarah cannot get pregnant. She is having a hard time getting pregnant, and they're questioning this whole time, how are you going to make us into this great nation? And they're also very old. They are getting very old. Yep. And so they keep questioning, how are you going to make us into this great nation if we can't even have a kid? Mm-hmm. Enter Hagar. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting part of the story. It is. Because Hagar is... Abraham's servant, concubine, whatever you want to call her, maid servant. And Sarah's like, all right, Abraham, since I can't seem to have a kid like God promised, why don't you just go sleep with Hagar and have a kid with her? Mm-hmm. And Abraham's like, all right. <laughs> all right. So that happens. And, um, you know, Hagar gets pregnant and it breaks the promise of God because God promised a child to Sarah, not Hagar. And so Hagar has a son named Ishmael, mm-hmm. and in the Bible it says he is a wild donkey. He will be a wild donkey of a man, and he basically goes against the family and all of he his will descendants. Fight with yeah, all of his family. It's so. I guess the lesson of that is, when you go against the promise of God, you know you have to deal with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. So Ishmael is an example of that. So later on in the story. This is, I think, I wasn't going to bring this up, but this is like one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah are sitting out in their home, and um, three men appear to Abram, and um, he, a lot of people believe that it is the reincarnate Jesus. That's not proven, but he does bow to the ground. He says, Lord, Lord, please stay. And so the Lord follows him with the two other people back to the tent, and the Lord says, Sarah, this time next year you will be having a baby. And at this point, Sarah's what, like, 90 years old or something and she starts laughing and so the lord says sarah why are you laughing and she's like i wasn't and he's like yeah you are (laughs) so i feel like god like kind of is comedy in this section god has a sense of humor so anyways they go on they have isaac and so many stories happen this is where we want you to really do the research on your own so many things happen with isaac and with abram and he is sta- Abraham is standing out in the wilderness and God tells him to look up and he says, count the stars and that is how many people will be in your family. And in this moment, he enters into a covenant with Abraham, promising him that his family will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And in order to, as a promise, as a mark of this covenant, as like a symbol, um, he asks him to circumcise Isaac, and that's where we get circumcision from in the Bible. It is a promise that he will continue to make his family great. Mm-hmm. So then Isaac goes on. He meets Rebecca, and they have a son. His name is Jacob, and they actually have Esau first, and then they have Jacob, and Jacob means the deceiver. Mm-hmm. And basically, he <laughs> wiggles his way into stealing the birthright, because you know the firstborn gets the birthright, mm-hmm. and he... To seize Esau and takes it from him. And then, so Jacob has the birthright, but, and he has, he, he kind of is, he's a deceiver, but he also lives up to that. He's not really super righteous, I feel like. He has a bunch of wives. He, you know, I feel like he's not taking things seriously. He's a little bit wild child. But there is one woman that he loves, and her name is Rachel. And he goes to work for Rachel, and he works seven years to earn her from her father. And, um, 
Leah is actually older than Rachel. And so their father says, no, you have just gotten Leah. And so he works seven more years to win the love of Rachel for Leah because he's already like married to her too. You Can know? you imagine being Leah? Yeah. Which there's, is a whole other story. There's so many lessons with each character that you can glean from their story. Like yeah. each character has something that's like, oh wow, that's relevant to me now. Right. And so he ends up getting with Rachel. They have, with him, it's between him and Leah. He has, I think he ends up having two wives and then he has children with two servants too. And they become the 12 sons of Jacob and he has one daughter. Mm-hmm. Don't look, we can't forget Dinah. <laughs> Shout out. Shout, shout out, Dinah. <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone was wondering where the 12 tribes of Israel came from, the 12 sons were ancestors of the 12 tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And that's something that I did not know mm-hmm. until I read the book of Genesis. And that's so. something to research, too, because it plays into prophecy and all that, mm-hmm. which maybe we'll do a podcast on that someday. Whoa, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> okay, so Jacob. Can we start this over? <laughs> no. <laughs> So, Jacob has 12 sons, and we all know he had one favorite. Sorry, it happens sometimes. (laughs) And it is Joseph. And because of that, you know, jealousy is a thing, and his brothers did not like him because Jacob really favored him in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And so, a fancy coat with a bunch of colors. Yeah, have you ever seen that musical? Dolly Parton. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out, Dolly. Okay, so Joseph's brothers kidnap him, and they sell him into slavery. See, this is where things just, the faithfulness of God is just weaved through all of these stories, because Joseph works himself up to being second in command for Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. because he's very good at interpreting dreams. That's a whole other story Mm -hmm. that we are not going to get into. so hard to explain this book. There's so many things. It is. There is. But um, eventually, there's a famine that happens, and Joseph's brothers end up back in Egypt in Egypt where Joseph is and he get food yes and he's second in command and don't even recognize him yep they're reunited so they sold him into slavery when really it flipped around and he ended up saving everyone including his family who sold him into slavery and there's a verse in Genesis that is is so awesome yeah because obviously his, his, you've just been beaten by your brothers you're sold into slavery you're with these new people now and you're rejected by your family and and this verse just sums up so perfect what the end of Genesis is going to bring. And actually, really, just Genesis as a whole. Or the Bible as a whole. Yeah, or maybe our lives as a whole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Genesis fifty twenty, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so there's so many things that lead up to there is a Messiah coming to save us. And that is like a huge point in Genesis. And that's kind of where we wanted to end today. Just why is Genesis important? And we we wanted to just give our final thoughts on why, Gen, why we thought Genesis was important. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think it's that in chapter 49, Jacob is getting ready to die and he goes around and he's telling all of his son's blessings. And he's like saying his goodbyes to all of his family. And he predicts that Judah will be a royal leader. As we know, or maybe you didn't know, I didn't know until I read, Judah is actually the tribe of Israel where Jesus was born through. Jesus comes from this son who was blessed by Jacob, who was the, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abram, who was, you know, the son of Shem eventually, I mean, long distance Shem, 
from Noah's kids, Noah, you know, it just, it all goes back to the beginning that Jesus was in the picture from the beginning. He was not just a brief thought up, like that was the plan from the beginning to send the Messiah to save us. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the, the major theme of Genesis that makes it so important is this theme that God is a God of promises. Mm-hmm. And no matter all the folly and all of these different families, like all the rebellion, all the sin, all of the mess ups, you know, God's faithfulness is through it all. And we deal with that. What's so cool about reading the Bible, Genesis, the first book, you know, is that the things that they dealt with back then we're still dealing with today. Like I still am, I'm impatient just like Sarah and Mm -hmm. I deal with, you know, feeling unworthy like Leah. And I, it's all these things that they deal with, I deal with too. And just seeing how uh, God is always faithful, no matter how long you have to wait, Sarah, you know, no matter how long you have to wait, Katen, God is faithful. And I think that's such a, a promise throughout the book that we still feel today. And what's really cool about Genesis is there's so many promises left unfinished. And that's yeah. what prompts us to continue to read to and read. continue to figure out the end of the story, which... Yeah. It's yeah. so funny. I was reading through my Bible. We were just looking and I had written in the part where God calls Abram to leave his family or to leave Haran to go to Canaan. I wrote, I remember reading this with your mom too when we were in that Bible study. I wrote, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is another main theme of Genesis is that there's so many people who we think, oh, well, it was Abraham. He was in the Bible. No, he was just a normal person just like me and you, just like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. And God called him and he didn't say, no, 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 I can't do that because of A, B, C, D, and E. No, he said, I will go. And then God qualified him through that. And I think despite our inadequacies, God is always with us. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing to remember in Genesis too. Mm-hmm. So I just, Carrie Job has this song where she repeats the phrase, God is a God of promises. And that just really like, I think about that often throughout my life where I'm like, God, where are you? What's going on? I don't understand what's happening, but knowing that God promises us, mm-hmm. you know, things and he always comes through with his promises. Always. He does. Mm-hmm. Even in ways that, you know, we might not expect or see. And I think that's what's so good about the ending of Genesis is that like you mentioned earlier, the promises and the hopes are kind of left up in the air. Mm-hmm. And so there's not really an ending to Genesis. It's just, they're all kind of left up in the air, which prompts us to read into Exodus, which we will be getting into next week. Yeah, so, we will. This was a very, very large overview. Spark notes. Remember yeah. those from college of or Genesis. high school? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there are so many things that we did not talk about, and that we hope that you, we hope that this feels, it it gives you a sense of like I can do this, like I can read Genesis because I know that when I started reading Genesis, it's fifty chapters long and there's a bunch of hoopla about genealogies and stuff. I was like, I don't know about, I don't know what any of this means. You know, our hope through this whole entire podcast is to simplify things for you so that you have this sense of like I can read the Bible and I can understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. So we hope that's what. Sometimes happened. I feel like if I know like kind of like the overall theme or like the trajectory of something, it helps me more willing to, to dive into the details. Yeah, definitely. Because when you have the, it's like a, it's like a roadmap. Like you're looking at a roadmap and like you see the destinations on your roadmap. And so it's easier to figure out where you're going. But then there's so many things like on your drive that you see that you're like, oh man, that's cool too, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's nice to have the roadmap. It's nice to have directions. That's right. So anyways, we hope this was helpful. We hope this wasn't too scatterbrained. We are out of the podcast game a little bit. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's going to take us a minute to get back into the For huge. Sure. <laughs> and so please give us grace. The Bible says so. And <laughs> help us. Anyways, join us next week. We will be discussing Exodus. If you want to read ahead, go ahead. If you want to wait until we explain it, do that too. Whatever you feel is necessary. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby. <laughs> We're going to learn a lot about cicadas next week. So. Ew. No, no, just Um, But we are so glad to be back. Yeah, we are. Thank you for joining us for Sundays, Sundays at 7. 7. <laughs>